شريك لك نبيك إن الحمد والنعمة لك والملك لا شريك لك بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وأصحابه وسلم تسليما كثيرا أما بعد Welcome our Dean Love uh, viewers and family uh, We are here today with a very very special guest and um, uh, a platform that we uh, got in touch with recently uh, Mindful Muslimah and um, they do a lot of uh, amazing work and collaboration with different speakers um, around the world um, and we need more of this right and so this is why today we want to talk about a very important topic usually it's like um, we have brothers on this podcast but now we're going to have this important discussion about community cohesion and working together uh, for the betterment of the community and the progression of the community inshallah and see what we could do as uh, brothers and sisters. We're gonna talk about some issues in our community, um, primarily focusing on the family, the Muslim family, and then also you know, the impacts and then other types of, types of solutions um, that we can uh, implement. And so today I want to introduce uh, our speaker today. Uh, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, sister. Uh, wa so if you could just if you could just kindly just uh, briefly introduce yourself uh, for our viewers, um, inshallah ta'ala, uh, that'd be uh, beneficial. Yeah, sure. So subhanAllah, um, I've been doing a lot of community work on the ground for the past 20 to 25 years. Um, with the onset of a lot of the stuff that was going on a couple of years ago with different, you know, women taking off hijab and different things going on in social media, I felt kind of compelled, but I had never actually did social media or platforms or anything, but then I did. And as I dove in, I found there were so many issues, so many issues with our women that we needed help with. And I said, well, if, you know, who's going to do it? So I took all the skills that I had. I'm actually... Um, a licensed educator, um, and I worked in the U.S. and Dubai all over the world as a teacher, teacher trainer, administrator, consultant. And so I had those skills as an educator, and I took my community work. I used to build um, different things and be in certain idara with different um, major U.S. Um, Muslim um, organizations and community building and outreach and all that. And I took those two put it together and I made Mindful Muslima. And genuinely what we do is we serve women and our goal is to help them not just grow, but thrive and become women of impact. So if I uh, just touch one woman's life, then she can touch her family and touch an entire community. And the idea is if that we support our women worldwide through all the things that we do, whether it's podcasts or um we have a school, we have a Thrive Muslim Sisterhood, we have many, many different things, you know, resources, but whichever way they come in, they have a support and they find themselves in a better position. And then obviously closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a stronger community, inshallah, isn't that? So, Allah yibarak fiki, jazakallah khairan for that um, introduction. Um, so let's get into it. What is, what do you think, um, so the importance of like a community in Islam, um, most of it, most of what we do has to do with community. So the community, the communal obligations and praying in the masjid together in jama'ah is more encouraged than praying on your own. You know, fasting together and breaking the fast together as family, praying Eid Salah together, um, you know, commemoration or the um, ending of, you know, uh, Ramadan, Hajj together, your Umrah, you're going around, right? You can't do like a single Hajj, you know, like an individual. It's like a communal thing that you do. So much of what we do is um, encouraged, uh, like to, to worship Allah together, whether it's family, whether it's community, whether it's, you know. So what do you think is the importance of community um, in the Muslim, in the Muslim diasporas in the West? And also, like, what do you think are the obstacles to having that strong knit community um, that we're facing today? Yeah, and you know, subhanAllah, as you're saying community, the irony is, I think, as Muslims or even just people worldwide, we feel the most alone ever in the, probably the history of humanity. And we know that's due to a lot of things, whether it's 
with COVID, you know, started and then kind of like the residual effect of COVID and the mental issues and the social um, dynamics that are going on all over the world. Alhamdulillah, may Allah make it easy. But um, subhanAllah, you know, Islam is built on community. It's built on this togetherness aspect. And um, for some reason, as we, as we, you know, migrate or immigrate from place to place, sometimes we lose that. And as soon as we lose that aspect, we notice a breakdown in so many different areas. And I would say like, that's really a huge part of what I noticed with the women. I talked to women in like 150 countries and subhanAllah, um, imagine talking to that many women, you hear a lot of perspectives, but then you hear a lot of similarities. And again, it's this thing of like, I'm alone. I don't have support. No one, can, I can't talk to anyone. There's no one here. And yet there's so many Muslims. So where are they all? And um, when we're disconnected from each other, we try to handle things alone. And when we do things alone, sometimes we do it without knowledge. Sometimes we do it without emotional or social support. And that puts all kind of psychological pressures or social or emotional pressures. And then we start to break down. We start to lose motivation. We start to feel like, you know, there's no one here for me. Um, maybe I'm not, we, we question ourselves. And, and if you're a mother questioning yourself, right, that's going to affect your children in the house and or, or like with the spouses. Like, I think the, the, there's just an innumerable amount of effects that happen. And subhanAllah, that's what we see all the time. Women in contacting us related to all these things where they just say, gosh, you know, if I just had some support. So subhanAllah, you know, it's, it's impressed upon us, this community for the sake of, you know, this is the way we do things. But the moment you remove that community, you can instantly see how important it is in so many aspects of our life as Muslims. SubhanAllah. And, you know, I think about like how um, the concept of community is seen and embraced back at home. Everything really is community. So it's like you have the tribes are are just really, they're all relatives, right? So. And so that community there helps each other in times of like financial difficulty. So you and I, it's rare to have like a Muslim homeless person, right? Because if you can't get help, you know, from your immediate family, you have distant family relatives, distant family relatives that help you. And so those are things that are considered, you know, um, important, a tight knit uh, uh, building block of society back home. Here, on the other hand, in the Western countries, America, UK, and like Canada, and other countries that are similar, it's what's promoted more is individualism. So you worry about yourself, not the next person, right? And so mm -hmm. then when we're having families and when people are getting married, then that also starts to influence that relationship. And what do you think are, you know, some of the uh, the newer issues, common issues that we're seeing in terms of the the family unit and household, um, uh, when it comes to like men and women, the Muslim men and men and women, but specifically in Western countries. You know, it's so funny that you say that because I was talking to my husband about that in my family because there's so many things going on in our family right now, and part of my family is like Muslim, and part of them are not, and part of them are practicing, and part of them are less practicing. You know, we all have these mix up mix up families. And subhanAllah, you know, it's funny, like one of my children, because I have I have like multiple children, one of them had a baby, right? So I'm a grandmother again, alhamdulillah. And my first thing is, you know, my my not so practicing, like less Muslim family is like, you know, why you keep running to their house to cook food for them and clean their house? And I said, well, they have other small children under five. Could you imagine having a new baby being in a, a difficult physical position? And then you have to get up and cook for all the other children and care for all of them and then clean your house and 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 do everything like it's normal. Like it's not a, like you, you slept all night when you didn't, especially with a newborn. And they're like, oh, you're doing too much, too much for them. And I said, subhanAllah, you know, if we were in another place, right? Like back home, you instantly, she would be surrounded by women. She would be in her mother's house. And in, in, in my case, they, they can't stay with me. So I go to them to make it easy. Um, I, I, of course, would love them to, but it's like a technicality. But like, subhanAllah, that woman wouldn't do anything. You know, she would be surrounded by women who cared for her. Everything would be helped. Don't touch the kid. I got the kids. Sit down. It's like that, right? But when we come to these Western countries, everybody's on their own. So now you have a woman. And by Western standards, she's courage to work. Let's pretend after six weeks, you should put that baby back into some daycare or random. Sometimes We love to have it with family. It's not always an option. Stranger. 
And then I should go back into work. I should come home. I should cook. I should clean. I should care for all the kids. And it's not just keeping them alive. You know, as a mom, I, I'm a mom now. My oldest is 20 something. And subhanAllah, um, you start to realize, because when you're young and you first have kids, like you don't realize like the responsibility of having kids. Like, oh, I just have to feed them. I have to, you know, hug them. It's very small things. But then you soon realize it's like, emotional, social, psychological, I don't want to damage them, you know, all these things that happen. We see what happened with our parents. And so subhanAllah becomes a very big responsibility. The women over here in the Western world, they're getting stressed out. They're feeling overwhelmed because they're doing the job of inside, outside. There's no community. There's nobody, there's no aunties. There's no grandma in the house, nobody else to turn to the kids need the mom, but the mom's busy. Mom is trying to do everything. And then that causes fights with the husband and the wife. She then turns to him and says, you don't help me. You see me struggling. The house, this, this. Now, mind you, if we were back home, her and maybe two other women in the house, they would help each other do everything, take turns. One means one day, one doesn't. This is very easy. But here, everything she has to do it because she's chosen to work because that's the push. Yeah. And even if she doesn't work, it's a lot. And then She's alone, gets stressed out. She needs a break. There's no help for her. And then she's agitated, fighting with the spouse. The spouse says, why are you treating me like this? You're a woman. You should know this is your, your wheelhouse. You should know how to do this. And then they go at it. He's so insensitive. He never helps. She's always complaining. Was she acting like women all over the world for centuries never did these things? And this is the conversation back and forth. I'm hearing it. And I'm like, Ya Rabb, you know, subhanAllah, lack of community. This is really quite a problem. And so, you know, I, I heard a lot of uh, what you said. Um, sounds like I, I, I kind of want to shift just uh, quickly to the parents of these boys or men and women, right? Because they're supposed to be learning these things inside the home. And so you have like first generation parents who are coming and they're like refugees or whatever. Um, they're coming over from different countries and they're having kids here or they're bringing their kids at a very young age, but they're raising them here. And so what do you think are some of the influences even the parents get? And that kind of trickles down to how they treat and give tarbiyah to the uh, uh, boys and girls. Yeah, subhanAllah. You know, I'm a parent, so I don't want to be too hard on the parents. But at the same time, it's such it's such a difficulty because, um, you know, a lot of the, the, the solving of these problems, it really, really goes back to the parents, right? Like, if you want to really get to the crux of it, it's like you have to kind of do that. And subhanAllah, they're coming from different places all over the world, you know, be it what it is. And everybody has expectations, but not everybody understands the reality of the place they're in. Even some parents, can I just be frank, like they're not even understanding how much is going on here. So for example, I'll be with talking with women and, you know, phones are a whole nother issue, but let's say it's, it, it's, it's, it's woman who just recently got here. She has no idea what's on that phone. And then the kid gets the phone and I'm like, you know, there's X, X, Y, Z on the phone. They're like, no, you know, or this is what's on that. No, they have this here. Like there's not even sometimes a full understanding, let's say. And so subhanAllah, the exposure of things, there's all that going on. So there's this lack of congruence and like, this is the way I was raised. This is my reality, how things are done. And then like, this is where I actually physically am and what's going on in this, in this space and time. And then there's that. And then there's also like, there's this stuff where like, there's such a lack of communication between the older generation and the younger generation. The younger generation is like, they don't get me. If I say it, they're just going to be mad at me, yell at me anyway. I don't want to hear it. And then the older generation is like, I have a lot of wisdom to share. They don't want to listen. They're ignorant. They're entitled. They're this, they're that. And they just both don't communicate. So, you know, what happens is in the end, like, Nobody says or does anything. And then there's this disconnect of community again. And then this one's going on their own, doing whatever they have to do to cope. And this one's feeling like this. So it's it's really, I see it all the time. It's really, really rough. And if we could do something, you know, my podcast, it's really strange. I actually talk to the mothers and the daughters at the same time. So it's kind of tricky because I, I want to advise the parents. But then at the same time, I'm like, subhanAllah, the girls, I, I do. I teeter between both. I'm, I'm super fair, but I'm like, this is the reality. And I advise both. But Allah Alam, it's it's not easy. It's so so. This is uh, good because you know, um, Subhanallah, and uh, I noticed, 
And you're right. You can't like put the blame on the parents completely. And then you can't put the blame totally on the kids because what you have is a dynamic of two different cultures and mindsets are clashing. And I don't think even sometimes the parents realize that. And that's where the surprises come in, you know, once they start to hit puberty and stuff. And it's like, why are they doing this? Right. Yeah. Because imagine all they knew is where they came from. That's home for them. But home is not in America for them. And so the the culture there, it's like, hey, well, everything is kind of like on airplane mode. Like, oh, they're supposed to get this. They're supposed to get that. But they don't get it because here you have to teach them, right? As opposed to back home in our Muslim countries, you can kind of just let them go free flowing and they'll pick up on just the cultural aspects just naturally because everybody's doing it. All right, it's surrounding. Yeah, there's but, one voice. There's one yeah. voice saying the same thing. Here you have multiple voices. This one's saying go right, go left, go up, go down, be you, don't be you. Like right. it's 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 not one voice, it's not a village protecting. Yeah, it's a village ruling. It's it's multiple opinions. And on top of that, what didn't you say, brother? It's the there is this one unifying voice which mm. is Islam, right? Because no matter what culture you came from, if you taught the kids from the beginning, this is how we eat, this is how we speak. So I see a lack of learning or a lack of teaching. There's like you said, they expect they should know. So they're in this space and a lot of the girls come to me and they're like, I don't even know what to do with this. I don't even know. They're very, very basic aqidah, very basic concepts in Islam. So there's they're not put into the masjid, they're put into the public school so there's no nobody teaching in the community. There's no, oh, I send them once in a while to a class or something, but it's not a character that's built. So there's a lot of cultural families, but not Islamic families. Uh, the, this is, uh, yes, absolutely. And so this is, what, this is what I was talking about, is that Islam is transmitted culturally. It's transmitted to the kids of the cultural vehicle. And what happens then is, in that process of transmission, they don't get everything. And the things that they do get from the dean, it's like, it's not really clear even how to understand it. So I'll give you an example. In Somali culture, right, um, the women, the mothers, they encourage their daughters to cover up. And alhamdulillah, may Allah bless all of our mothers. And But what they tell them, instead of saying like, hey, this is haram, they say this is aib. You know, you should cover up because it's aib, it's shameful to not do it, right? And so for the kids, they understand that, hey, I need to wear hijab because it's, a, it's culturally looked down on and not that, hey, Allah is displeased with me, right? So it's two different mindsets. And, and this is where the teaching comes in. And unfortunately, we have to be honest, the teaching aspect or the proper teaching is not there. That proper tarbiyah doesn't take place because even the parents don't know a lot about things yeah, sometimes that's really a big problem yeah it's really yeah. especially in the marriage aspect because when i get to the marriage piece and the girls call me up and i'm like, well what do your parents say what are they doing well they said just here's the phone number talk to the guy you know when you get you one bring him home then i'll talk to you and take it from there like they're just doing randomness and they saw this what they did back home or this way they did in their family this is what my auntie does and i said but what does islam say but they don't actually know they go well isn't that what they're doing you know isn't that the same and i said no but it's not though and the parents don't know so a lot of times when i'm teaching the daughters it's literally to self-advocate because they need to break the cultural cycle and then they tell the parents but you know what the parents say where you get that from who told you that what are you listening to something random that's not how it's done this is how we do it. We always done it that way. If it was wrong, then we'd have we'd have a problem. But look at the marriage statistics. If it, it you know, they're giving the thing, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But it's pretty broken. Matter of fact, we're approaching 50% divorce rate. It's actually really broken. So something's going on. So we have two huge ones. It's like the cultural way doesn't work. And the Western way doesn't work because both show huge statistical problems. But the way of the sunnah has always worked. And alhamdulillah, it's beautiful. But guess what? Nobody knows it anymore. It's like a lost art or something. It's in the Quran, but nobody knows how to extract it. They don't teach it in the centers. They don't teach it in the families. They don't get it at the school. Where are they getting it? So they're looking online. 
watching any random guy who says he's a scholar on YouTube, picking a little bit here, picking a little bit there, putting two together. And they got some randomness. And then they doing whatever. Then they call me up. This is what I did. It's not working out. And I said, because you're just doing anything, bits and pieces. What's that? And then, you know, they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what to do. My mom, this and that. So subhanAllah, it's a lot. No, it's, um, you know, you brought up a lot of good points and observations that I think a lot of people can relate to and connect with, um, you know, especially for the sisters. I think right now, uh, really, the, the, the hal of our sisters today in terms of connecting with the deen, understanding it, and really combating some of these really lethal and aggressive ideologies right now that are consuming them in mass um they're not doing a good job and they're for the most part they're pretty much like they're lost they, they don't know how to approach it and some of them are don't even think there's even an issue with it <laughs> and so now i want to talk about specifically we're going we're going to touch on the brothers but i want to uh, touch on the sisters right now and um, talk about what are some of the things right now, the biggest challenges that the sisters are going through. Um, and the reason why I want to focus on them more, even I do that in my work, more on the sisters and the brothers is because for a long time, we've associated even just, I want to use just a Somali community, we've associated a long time, the fact that they're covered with, they know what they're doing in the Dean and that's not the case. Because if you ask them about basic things, sometimes they'll be like, wait, what is that? And even the akhlaq doesn't come along with it. And of course, it's not all of our sisters. We have some amazing sisters that are doing their work and may Allah bless them and protect them always. All of our sisters, those that are on it and those are that, that are not, we ask Allah for guidance, right? But for our sisters, what are the biggest challenges right now that they're facing? and um, also touch on the impact of feminism um, in terms of uh, women practicing Islam today. Yeah, that's a tough one because there's so many things. Um, well, first of all, I'll just touch on a couple of small ones quickly. Uh, the, the first one is in the home. I'm a parent. I really underestimated the importance of making my child feel like they're enough. When you don't make your child feel like they're good, we're constantly criticizing in our cultures. You know, why'd you get a, a, a 90, not a 95, not a hundred? Why'd you, you know, why you don't do this? Why you don't do that? We are very good at pointing out everything we don't like. We're not very good at complimenting. Rarely do we compliment. We don't want to let it get to his head, her head, you know? If I criticize her, it'll motivate her to lose weight. If I call her fat, right? Then she's going to be motivated. She's going to be like, I need to get skinny. But they don't think it's psychologically damaging, right? I see this all the time, you know? And they tell a lot of things, but they don't, they, they criticize. So what you've done essentially as a parent, you try on your best, you love your kids, but you've crushed them. Then you send them out into the world, which is like a sheep amongst the wolves. And then they're looking for acknowledgement, um, you know, somebody to, to see them for who they are, appreciate them. And I guess who does. All yeah. the all the validation, so much validation, seeking it like in all the wrong places. And I'm not just talking about men. I'm just talking about like in general, like, for example, I could go to a college and the college recognizes me, but they have all kind of, you know, whatever ideologies. And I start going, well, this is the place where I feel acknowledged. And then I dive into everything else that's there. It came on innocent and it went into something else. So whatever it is, the point is they don't feel good in the home. So then they go outside and then that leads into the marriage piece. And everything else, it leads into the way they present themselves on social media. I need validation. I need somebody to tell me I'm pretty because my, my my parents tell me I'm fat. My auntie said, well, I lose weight. Why you look like that? Your hair like that, this, that, your teeth. And so they go out into social media waiting for cute likes on the picture because literally that, not because they're all show-offs or anything, just Allah Alam is so many things. That's one aspect. Um, another one that women are going through is they just, subhanAllah, they, they have so many things that they don't know how to do, but they don't know who to ask about them. So they ask all the wrong people. It's like, subhanAllah, there's that saying, I forget who said it, somebody on YouTube I was watching, they were saying like, the single sisters keep asking the single sisters for advice about marriage and they don't have the answers either. So everybody's just giving each other bad advice. Like that's going on, right? And then overall, I think women are just really, really in need of 
some type of support system where they feel embraced and cared for. And they're living double lives. Like I'll tell you this last one. Um, and I, I'm not saying everybody's living double lives. I'm not, I'm not, but I'm saying there's a lot. <laughs> like for example, um, I went to a wedding just last night. I don't go to weddings often because they're not places of worship for me. They're just a whole bunch of other things that I don't want to see. Anyway, so, but I had to go, I was very obligated because it was a family member. So there's different ideas of rulings about how long to stay, not to go, not to go, whatever, all that stuff. But let's just say in a very quick amount of time, no time when I was in there, I walked in, everybody's beautifully covered, 100% covered, everybody's good, everybody's doing the shy thing, aunties are there, everybody's okay. But then after, after a short, short time, all the clothes came off. And with that, all of the adab, all of the haya, and it just became like, like buck loose, everything, like everything. And nobody can move that way. Nobody can um, sing those lyrics if they didn't do them alone many times first. The way they're doing them, you know what they're doing on their own free time without judgment, without judgment. What I'm trying to say is people don't know how to have fun. They want to enjoy, but this place presents us with so many ways that you do that. And so I want to relax. I want to let off steam. I want to de-stress. And then they get together and there's it, it becomes a beautiful, like something of marriage. And then it turns into something else. Very often, I rarely go to a wedding where it doesn't turn like that. That's where I often have to leave. And then I, subhanAllah, but I'm, I'm trying to be supportive. It's really hard because they know how to act. They know how to put the clothes. They know how to sit in the gatherings. They know how to go to the other sister's house and the family member and be very, very whatever. But they're doing a lot of other things in their own life, but they can't show them who they are because they will be judged. They will be dealt with. And so they they have almost like to live two lives. And that's what I see a lot of as well. Yeah, well, I think uh, this uh, the double life phenomena is something that's very common um, with people who I think they like a foundational understanding of the dean. Um, even sometimes it's like, the dress code that we wear you can understand it uh, it's it's even like a cultural identity for them it's not a religious one right because yeah. with that they'll do things that are anti like this it's like against the deen but they're like when you tell them hey didn't you do us haram they're like wait what what when did this become, right? And so for them, you know, you'll have even like brothers here who are, they'll have like a phobe on and then they'll have a ski mask and then they'll go in a fight. And then they'll talk like, you know, like they're thugs and so thugs and thobes. <laughs> and so, you know, subhanAllah, it's, and then you're asking like, how, how does somebody get to that level? And I think the most uh, common, um, um answer that we always get and um conclusion we come to is the lack of foundational understanding of this deen what it means to be a muslim what is expected from us from allah who allah is and you know so the ma'rifah and the usul of the deen is completely not even there sometimes right um and so yeah. when you don't have that as human beings we always are seeking, like you're saying, like some sort of guidance, some sort of way of living. And so there's a vacuum and that vacuum will suck in and you'll embrace anything that gives you that. Right. And so if all you knew from practicing Islam or understanding Islam was from, you know, a cultural perspective that was taught to you in the home. And then even that perspective is a damaging one. Right you're going to go look elsewhere for that validation and acceptance and the community even right and so people sometimes they think that the things that they're fighting against are even islam and it's really not right so you have sisters like i'm against you know uh i'm against fgm female general mutilation that's like well islam is also against that you know but they think that it's a part of it because it happens in muslim countries Right. And they're like, well, you know, my mom, it happened to my. It's like, well, you know, it, it's not, it's against, it's haram. It's absolutely haram. Right. Yeah. And so they think they're mm -hmm. fighting Islam, but what they're really fighting is a cultural interpretation, which oftentimes is incorrect. Yeah. Right. And so they're, they're no, those... you know, now you say that it's really true. It's really true because so many girls that I deal with, they're very afraid. They're afraid to get married because of what they're, auntie suffered they're afraid of 
of like being talked to like this, 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 this. this. And so then in the end, they say, well, Islam is too hard. Islam is not good for women. Islam they take off pieces of clothing. They hang out in different spaces because these spaces don't have these. Really, really, if they didn't understand the deen, like you said, then like I knew, like subhanAllah, like I think I had mentioned to you, one thing that really helped me was um, one of the first things I read and understood even before the Quran is, as much as I do now was yeah, the Salihin. When you read the Riyadh Salihin, it's a book, right? It's a, it's a collection, a compilation of how the Prophet did everything. How the Prophet slept, how the Prophet woke up, how he did this, 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 this. So we are out in a world where you look around at the Muslims, and Muslims are in hookah spots, the Muslims are in all kinds of nightclubs, they're in a kind of nonsense, and you get confused. Like, who should I follow? Everybody, and then they come to you, it's okay, you can do this, it's okay. And they all give their advices. There's no such thing anymore of like, like Nasiha. Everybody just gives their own two cents. It's like the non-Muslim now. Nobody's afraid to talk. You're supposed to be afraid to talk. You only speak if you're 100% sure about this particular thing. If not, you say, I don't know. Nobody says, I don't know. People give in fatwas. People give, it's very crazy to me. So subhanAllah, when you see the way Rasul he did everything, then you look about, it's very easy to see that's permissible, that's not. But like you said, without the foundation, they don't have anything to compare it to. They just compare it to back home or the West, back home or the West. And that's really all they have. And subhanAllah, many sisters, like for example, when they come with us, what we try to do is we support them okay as sisters, but then we try to move them into some type of like scholarly program where they start to learn about the deen, you know? Because at that point, we're like, look, the only thing that's really gonna change you is knowledge. Knowledge is transformational. And so if you don't have any new knowledge, you're just gonna go based on your old ways. So we have to inject you something new. And the first thing I tell women is, look, you wanna learn new things, let me just help you out. I said, you know how like you wanna start a diet? You think you're gonna eat the greens and all that stuff when you have like Oreos and ice cream in the fridge, and all that stuff. I said, what looks really good that you're gonna jump for in those weak moments? I said, you have to clean house first. The prophet peace be upon me taught us like, if you want good things to come in, you have to clean out and purge out. So I told them, what does that mean? I need you to look at your social media. Who are you letting in your eyes and your ears and everything all day long? It's affecting you. You want to play like it's not? That's fine. But how's your life working out for you right now? Would you like to do something or not do something? So we help them clean that toxic relationships, all types of things. Obviously, excluding the parents in this one, that's another thing. But the point is like they're in a lot of environmental things that are damaging. And then they wonder, well, I tried to pray. I couldn't do it. I tried them. But they're so clouded. It's like there's clutter everywhere. So I said, you have to clear the way, let the new stuff come in. And a lot of them, they don't realize that because they don't think those things are cluttered to begin with. So when we teach them what is okay, not okay, and then they clear the way, and then they find all of a sudden it's a bit easier. And then we'd say, okay, baby steps. We're just looking for consistency right now. Allah said the small deeds. So we do that, consistent, consistent, consistent. And then once we feel like they have a good sense of like, you know, trust of Allah and, and all that stuff, then, okay, let's look at some bigger stuff. But it's like shway shway. You have to to do it incrementally because if if you can't you can't hit them with the knowledge like back in the day. It's too much. It's overwhelming. They get overwhelmed by anything, and and subhanallah. But it like you said, they don't know. They don't know, so they have nothing to compare it to. And you know, well, I you know facts, 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 and gems. Allah ibarak fiki. Well, I I was just about to say. And I remember uh, you said something earlier that was it really resonated, which was Islam. If you have the understanding of the deen that's proper, anywhere you go, you'll be safe. Anywhere you go. If you just have culture, culture is restricted to certain geographical uh, locations. So what you could do in Somalia may work there that airplane mode of just, hey, I'm gonna have kids and they'll figure it out, it could work. You can't do that here. You can't do that in America. Yeah. You can't do that in Minnesota, right? And so um, this is where the, the, the deen is the ultimate and fiqh. Understanding the fiqh is very important and fiqh itself is restricted to place and time. So that's why it's not like a one set one thing, one size fits all, right? And that's a big. They don't know that. They don't know that either. Yes, yes, they, they don't, don't know, know that. that. But, but having that knowledge, right, is what helps and equips that person for any environment and any time. And so, the knowledge itself is really what empowers the person, right? Because when you know, 
It's not like when you don't know. Allah says, قُلْ هَلْ يَسْتَوِ الَّذِينَ يَعْلَمُونَ وَالَّذِينَ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ He says, is the, per, is, is the people who know like the people who don't know, meaning they're not the same, right? Because the only way you'll be able to practice properly if you have proper knowledge, right, of the deed and understanding. And that's why, you know, I always, I'm, I'm a teacher as well. I teach about 200 kids, um, uh, 200 students, I would say. 18, usually 18 and up is my bulk, right? Uh, high school and up. And I noticed that when people learn the basics, basic aqidah and basic tezkiyah, that it, like they, it's like the, you see the light bulb turning on their head. They're like, oh my God, this makes so much sense. SubhanAllah, look how, and this is the beauty of Islam. It just, it just coincides with the fitrah. Like all of it just mashes well together, right? And that's that's the sign of the truth. And then the lastly, I would say about um, I just want to comment on what you said about cleaning the internal. So the tezkiya, so purifying the soul and the heart. Right. A lot of the illnesses that block us from practicing, block us from having a good relationship with Allah, block us from you know uh, understanding uh, this deen is because our hearts are diseased. There's they're they're filled with a lot of a dirt and you know they're clogged and so that's why the ulama they say that um, you should do takhliyah before tahliyah so if the vessel itself is filled with filth it doesn't matter how pure the water that you're adding to it it's not the whatever in there is not going to remain pure right so you need to clean your, all that stuff you need to deprive yourself of a lot of this you know dunya and understanding you have to empty your heart out of all these things. You have to cut off even sometimes relationships with people, right? In order to fill that in with pure knowledge, pure understanding, and, you know, give yourself to Allah. Once you do that, then things will click. But you can't have it both ways. And this is where people think, you know, they could do this one time and then also learn the deen and read Quran and listen to music. And, and you can't do that. It doesn't it doesn't mesh and it's not supposed to either. And this is why a lot of people are like, well, I tried and this and it's not require? working. Yeah. Yeah. And what, is, what does that require? Let's pretend the person wants to do that, right? They want to purify. And this, what does that require? That requires grit. Because now you've been doing it one way the whole time. And so then you need community. You need support. You need to be around other brothers who are practicing, other sisters who are practicing to make you on the days where you want to go back to the old ways to say, hey, here's a reminder of this. Hey, here's that. So going back to your first thing about community, you're making me think about, well, that's exactly why you have that. Because everybody's going to have, you know, Rasulullah says your iman goes up and down until you, you die. So that's that's a normality. So let's not pretend it's not going to happen. Right. So then we, we just surround ourselves with community. And, you know, what I was thinking, brother, when you were saying about culture, to me in Islam, the, the problem we have, culture has become the worship of people. And Islam is the worship of Allah. Let me tell you, because when the, when I ask girls why they why they do everything. So this one doesn't talk about me. I put it on because I want to hear that. Or is that everything is about, well, oh, why, why won't you do that? Oh, she's she's not going to like me anymore. She's going to talk about my mother. I said, but that's Islam. You have to do that. You have to put your big girl boots on and go and do it. She likes it. She doesn't like it. This is Allah. No. So most of the problem, even when they learn, is they're afraid to disappoint the people who don't know too, right? Because the, the, the extended family doesn't know. And then they do judge her. She's not wrong. A lot of times when the women come in and learn from us, it's <laughs> a little bit because the first thing is they learn, like you said, they purify, then they learn, and then they think they're good. And then I have to say, sister, so I didn't want to tell you before because I want to scare you, but this is when the real work starts. They said, what? I said, because now you got to take that and you got to go live amongst people who don't do any of that again, back in your family. And then you got to deal with all the conversation and all the backbiting about you. And then they're going to tell you, you know what you're doing. You're crazy. You fall in a cult and on this side. So even when they get on the dean, they have to hear a lot of nonsense from the family then because they have low self-esteem. Remember we said self-doubt creeps in. Then like, why am I doing this to myself? Let me just go right back to where it's comfortable. Shut my mouth. Let everybody be happy with me. Do whatever. Nobody's got to know. Just do it on Fridays. It's too hard. So that's why you have to find yourself around other people who'll be like, no, sis. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is testing you. He wants to test your ikhlas. Do this, do this, do that. And they, and they struggle with that. So they're worshiping the people. Most of the times when I tell girls, why you don't do this? This one will be mad. This one. 
they're worshiping the people. I said, this is not your illa, but you have made it your illa. This is a form of shirk. You have to understand if every day you're making your intention based on what that one thinks of you, you don't care about it. So what, what about Allah? He thinks of you. When does he matter? This It's not even a thought because they're not even taught like that. They're taught like, oh, don't embarrass my mom when everybody comes over. You know, subhanAllah. No, and like is, you said, it's yeah. free. No, it's a, it's a great point. Um, all the all the points that you hit, it's factual, and and we do have that. We we care about what people think, unfortunately, more than Allah. And this is where you see even when they do learn, they have to struggle with that aspect of hey, but what are my friends gonna? But if I tell them it's haram, then it's they're gonna say I'm weird and this, and I don't want that, and I don't lose my friends. I was like, okay, you want to lose Allah? Do <laughs> you want to lose that? Right, and so. They, he's this not is, tangible. They don't see him. They right, don't see him. Right, and this is why no, learning. And, um, yeah. This is why learning and believing in Allah. This is has to be the start. Learning who Allah is, what He wants, the ma'rifah of Allah. Because once you have that, then you will, you know. And, and even in the verses of the Quran, Allah He says, you know, like in Ladina Amanu wa Amanu Salihat. Those who believe in Allah. Right? So Allah, he says, those who say that Allah, he's our Lord, and then they are steadfast on that. Right? See, so it's not just about, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to learn how to pray and some fiqh issues and the Messiah. No. You need to know who Allah is. This is where it all starts. You need to introduce yourself to your maker. Once you do that, everything else will be easier for you to build. And it will be easier for you to deal with others. Because when you realize that Allah, he's the ever living, he doesn't die, he watches me, he sees me all the time. This is how you build taqwa. And from taqwa, you'll understand that the people are also, they can't do anything to you except if Allah wills. They can't harm you if Allah wills, right? And so you seek refuge in Allah from them, then there's no army, no military power, nothing that can harm you. So then who do you really have to impress and who do you really have to please if you will meet him eventually? And those same people who you're trying to impress and please will also have to meet him as well. Right. And so when you put things into perspective based off of the knowledge of who Allah is and his um, and his and uh, and his hukuk upon us, his rights upon us, and you believe in that and then you also establish that um, a reality grounded in your life. And that's a process. It's a process. It's not overnight. You know, it takes time. And so and I think the question I'll, is how to start it. Most women, yeah. when I talk to them about all this, right? Yeah. The, it's like, it's like that. I hate to say that, like what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Well, in mm -hmm. order to do that, I had to have trusted a lot first and felt like this is really going to work out. Cause yeah. a lot of times I doubt the process. Then right, I'm like, right, right. this is a case of you got to do a trust fall. You ever have friends, you got to lean back and see if they're going to drop you on the floor and make fun of you, or they're going to actually catch you. I said, well, I want you to trust fall a lot just once. I want you to do exactly what he says, and I want you to follow through. And I don't just promise you that he's going to keep you and, and do everything you need. I promise you he's going to deliver tenfold as well. I promise because I've only seen that from him, and I can speak from true experience. And some of them, they do it, and they see exactly that because Allah is the best keeper of promises. And some of them, they nah, nah. And a lot of time, they call me more than once. They call me, and then they I give them advice, and they yes me to death. And not that they have to take my advice. I don't care. You know, I just they, they ask me for it. Then they go off, and they come back, and they go, so, um, sis, remember that advice you gave me? So I didn't use any of that. And now I'm in a worse situation because, and they just, because they're just building the fire on top of the fire for themselves. And I, I was like, I kind of told you like, what, right? She's like, yeah, well, mm. and so like, that's what happens. And subhanAllah, so they don't, they don't love Allah and they don't have any experience with him. He's a complete stranger. So they don't have any understanding of everything he can do for them. So they keep trying to figure it out out on their own till they're on their knees and then they'll ask him only ask and they want to answer because it's a fast food society when they don't get it they're like oh it didn't work and then they're back to whatever and this is cycle and it's really troubling this said yes Pama, you know and this instant gratification is something that they experience due to you know this new age and technology and stuff and they want it yesterday 
like all the work, you know? And so the patience is a big aspect as well, a part of this process. And, um, you know, if you're truly sincere, Allah will not miss, he will not allow anyone who's truly sincere to go astray. And they're truly sincere and they're, you know, they're really seeking him. He will not allow them to go astray. But if you have other things inside your heart and other things that are kind of blocking and, you know, fuzzing that um, sort of sincerity for you, you will have problems. And so may Allah make us sincere. I know this is a long conversation and, uh, and I think we have to close soon. But um, next time we'll also we'll we'll focus more on the brothers because now there is a reaction to this sort of brokenness um, from the sister side from the brothers who are also broken but they also mm -hmm. have other ideologies and garbage that now they're starting to accept um, because of this whole dilemma and so uh, i want us to close with something um what do you think are just mention some best practices some advices to those sisters that are kind of like you know what um, i'm looking for something i don't know where to start what would you say to them well the first thing is i remember i was i was in the a similar situation where i didn't understand by the way everything i talk about i wasn't taught any of it by my parents not a lick of it. I was not raised in a religious family at all. So my first thing I want to say to women is you don't have to be raised in a good home, quote unquote, because everybody's like, I'm broken. I can't do it. And they start to hurt, you know, hate on themselves. You can learn at any time. So if you're a person who wants to do things, you have the, the first obstacle you have is actually you, your mindset, you believing things are not possible for you. And unless dependent with that, see, when, what I try to show women is all like you said, brother, you said something very smart. You said, you know, like, when you're seeking Allah, like he's going to help you. He's never going to let you down. I was telling on the podcast the other day, uh, the story of Salman al-Farsi. This is one of my favorite stories. And Salman al-Farsi, he came from a completely disbelieving family and they didn't guide him anything. And he's broken and everything's crazy. And we can go into all that. But he had so much love for understanding and the truth. And he was just seeking so sincerely. But Allah didn't give it to him. He didn't give it to him. He, he went through so many teachers and so many people where at any point he could have given up, but he was dead serious. And that's the thing, like you said, you got to be dead serious. So you have to understand that you're your own worst enemy. Most of the women, I don't even have to, they come in about their family. They come in about their problems. Most of the time, the problem isn't there. You think it's there, but it's not. I tell women this circle, if I could say it, there's the small circle and the bigger circle. You ever take a rock and you throw it in the water and it kind of ripples out. I said, the way you attack your problems is this myself and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then myself and my spouse, then myself and my kids and myself and my parents, like they, you ripple it out. So if you have a problem with anyone, first you rectify your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that means, first of all, you got to pray. Just pray first. Pray. Reach out to Allah and get the salah going because you've cut the line of communication. Once you cut the line of communication, we know what that's like. That just leads to a whole bunch of other stuff. So you have to first just Take the salah seriously because that's your, your creator. Get the connection back. Ask Allah for help. And understand that the worst difficulty that's going to be in this whole process of whatever you got, I don't care what it is, it's going to be you. It's going to be you believing things are possible for you, you believing Allah, you, you. But you know what's so great about that? Here's the good news. You have so much control over that. You don't have control over what your husband does, what your mom does, nobody. That feels out of control and crazy. But how empowering is it to know that you can actually fix everything. But that means that you got to be ready to like buckle down and do the work. But the good news is that is so much easier than dealing with them. And you're going to find ridiculous results. And I just would say to those women, finally, I don't care if nothing changes for you. I want you to imagine Ibrahim sitting in that fire. Allah didn't take the fire away. He's sitting, but it's cool for him. That's what happens when you have big problems. If you fix the internal small stuff first, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes them very manageable, no matter what anyone does to you, and you have peace. And I think most of us, we want peace in our chest and happiness. And I would say those are the things to think about first. Well, mashallah, it's great gems that were um, dropped there. Um, uh, may Allah bless you, sister, for this conversation. Well, you know, just a lot of what you said, I, I could sum it up into uh, a couple of um, concepts. This hadith that came to my mind when you talked about rectifying yourself. Perhaps the Prophet says, Man aslaha, uh, ma bainahu, uh, wa bain Allah, 
أصلح الله ما بينه وبين خلقه. So oh kama Allah, oh kama qala Rasulullah, which is it means whoever rectifies what's the relationship between them and Allah, then Allah will rectify what's between them and the creation. Right? Yes. And so it has to start with you. It has to start with you. Right. And so this is um, the important uh, uh, message, and this is the starting point. It's us. It's easy to blame other people and this and that, you know. Um, so tawakkul, having that trust, you have to trust Allah in the process, right? Trusting Allah in the process and knowing that whatever you do, it's not going to be perfect. Your effort, you may not be there. It may not be 100%, but Allah, if it's 80, Allah said, I'll, I'm going to match that. Right, so he said, "I'll finish that twenty percent for you." So you do the best you can, and you'll make it. Taala, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, He's the best of helpers in this regard, right? And so th- this process has to be with Allah's guidance. It can't be on our own, right? We need Him, but you need to trust in the process. And so Subhanallah, Allah He mentions about even these stories of prophets who He saves, but He says. This is how we save all of the believers. The same way we saved Yunus, the same way we saved Ibrahim, the same way we saved. So if he's doing that, splitting seas and oceans for prophets, you know, what can Allah do for you? Okay. And so, alhamdulillah, you know, Allah Um, Is there any closing advice or maybe something else message you want to end with? And then we're going to definitely come and have a conversation. Again, we're going to have to schedule something. But is there anything else you would like to close with? No, I guess I would just say you can't trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until you know him. Mm. And know him is to love him. Mm. That's all that happens after that. <laughs> yes, mashallah. So, Jazakallah uh, khairan for your time. Um, I know it's been, you know, kind of uh, uh, tough in, in, in planning, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best of planners. Yeah. And so we hope yeah. to have uh, continue this conversation because um, in this podcast we can't do justice to everything. But I think it it starts it starts a conversation um, for this rectification of ourselves and for those who are um, interested. And we ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to uh, guide us all and make that pathway easy for us um, to get to know Him and to Allah's our return. And and with with that we will end um, our dean lovers. Um, we will also plug everybody into mindful uh, Muslim p- platform. She has podcasts for those sisters who you know like to uh, hear these aspects from religious aspects or these cultural issues. Please uh, check in to our sisters' uh, podcast. Inshallah, mindful Muslima. She's an educator, and there's um, we're going to put also links on the bottom here. Um, for her uh, platforms or social media platforms as well. And with that, uh, we'll see you guys next time. Wa sallallahu ala sayyidina Muhammad. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu wa na ilaha la ant. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum.